It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Download the free Fetch Me Delivery app or visit FetchMeDelivery.com. You can use promo code FetchMe20, FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. If you get home from work, long day, you're tired, you don't want to cook, within like 30 to 45 minutes is kind of their estimate based on experience of what I've seen. That's kind of, uh, you know, you can have your family meal delivered right to your door. Friendly, fast, easy, convenient service. Fetch me, free Fetch Me Delivery app, FetchMeDelivery.com. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by the one and only Michael Pappas. Hello, sir. Hello. I appreciate you saying I'm the one and only. Definitely don't Google my name because there's not a billion of us or anything. Is Michael Pappas a common name? Yeah. Pappas is an incredibly common Greek name because a lot of the the names in Greek start with Papa, like Papadopoulos and Papathomopoulos and things like that. And so when people were coming over from Ellis Island, a lot of them just got Pappas. All right, then. Yeah. So So there's your Greek last name uh, fact of the day. Yeah, Tuesday, uh, press conference day, Gus Malzahn, Saying nothing. Uh, Bo Nix not really saying anything. Um, Malzahn sporting a pink polo, which I thought he really killed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see all the Bo Nix stuff last night? The the fake quote that was going around on Twitter? Yeah. I mean, wild stuff. It's not that wild. I mean, that that Twitter account got me earlier in the season. The the thing for me that uh that was frustrating is that the kid who openly is like I'm a 17 year old um was uh Washington student like openly says that he uh it's like people were like this is not real and he doubled down right he was like I got it from like this graphic from this place and people like went to the place and were like that's not there. Like you, uh, you made that graphic, and even so, like, shouldn't you fact check what you put up on your thing? Yeah, because the quote is involving Bo Nix just really like just saying disrespectful things to LSU. I mean, expecting them to go in and beat LSU, and that's just not the case at all. It was more about the the stadium, right? Wasn't it like we played at Florida? LSU will be fine. Yeah, that, that was the gist of it. I'm trying to find it, and most places have taken it down. So that's kind of a bummer. I should have screenshotted it, but oh well. I'll see if I can find it. Not on top of it. I, I think next place I'm going is Justin Ferguson's Twitter. If you want to go there, I know yeah. he quote tweeted it. But yeah, so but you know there there was a lot of like I know Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, friend of the program, took a picture of Bo Nix, and it's like Bo Nix first and only media availability this week. I'm like okay, that's good. That's good to know. But yeah, when I first saw it, I was like. Bo wouldn't say that, right? Why would you give LSU any kind of fodder for for this buildup of this game? But um, yeah, that I mean, it was it was a fake, and so I the think original most saw that. the original tweet from yesterday says Bo Nix claimed today that playing at LSU's famed Death Valley would not be a challenge for Auburn as they have played in big games before and won such as 
one such as against Oregon Week 1. Will Bo Nix and Auburn pull off an upset, or will LSU defend home field? Question mark. And then, you know, people were like, this is fake. Um, and he says, here's the graphic I found from Instagram. At LSU Football News is an account with just under 50,000 followers, and he reposted this from Bleacher Report. And it's a picture of Bo Nix, and the quote is, I played in the biggest game of opening week in front of 100,000 people, so I don't think that this stage is really anything special. And on the bite says Bo Nix on the significance of playing at Death Valley. But he never met with the media that day. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was just kind of bizarre. But it is what it is. I don't think he was asked about that. If he was, I did not see it. I just don't think anybody really like sees it as a true thing. But it lit up Twitter yesterday. I tell you what. JG Tate says, I covered Auburn. I cover Auburn and have covered Auburn for 22 years. Bo Nix didn't speak with any reporter this week. I would know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and I'm glad Auburn gave him the opportunity to, to go out there today and, and speak. I'm, I'm sure it was kind of unsolicited, any of that. But still good to see. Still good to see. So Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. What are you feeling going into LSU? I mean, Auburn, I think, is going to have the de the deck stacked against it this Saturday. I think they were going to have to fight an uphill battle, no doubt about it. The offense is going to have to be extremely crisp, and the defense has by far its toughest test of the season. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, you got to do it on one of the toughest places to play in the country. Absolutely. Uh, the number one storyline has got to be how Auburn's offense is going to respond to the noise level in Death Valley. They didn't respond well in Florida. You know, we saw them give, we saw a lot of false starts, a lot of delay of games, a lot of trouble communicating. And we're going to have to see what adjustments they've made. And give Auburn credit every season, every week that we've said, we're going to need to see what, how, what adjustments they make. They've made adjustments and they've made things happen. Um, I, I think Gus Malzahn has coached very well this season. And it's, a, a very big credit to him. He's responded every time people have had questions, whether it's, you know, us on this podcast or national media members. Uh, I definitely think this is going to be a little different from the Florida game or a lot different from the Florida game. And I don't think there are a lot of people that are going to expect Auburn to go into death Valley and win. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can go into death Valley and win right now based on how they've played any game this year. I don't think they can do it. They're going to have to play better than they have in any contest so far this season for me to believe that they can beat LSU right now? I think, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think based on what we've seen from the offense at the beginning against A&M, against Mississippi State, against Arkansas, I know those are three teams that are not the caliber of LSU, but the offense has the potential to put up a lot of points on this LSU defense. The LSU defense, we've seen them have trouble all year. They let up almost 30 points to yeah. Vanderbilt. And I say almost 30 points. The Vanderbilt ended up with 38, but they scored. I think they had a punt return touchdown and a defensive touchdown. So taking those out, that's still giving up with 24, 28 to Vanderbilt, whatever the number is. And mm -hmm. 
I, I mean, even in, in the Mississippi State game, the defense is going to show up. The defense is going to play well. You know the old adage, defense travels. So I'm not really worried about the defense. And I think LSU's contest with Mississippi State last week makes me feel better about the defense. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State, I mean, we saw it firsthand. Mississippi State's defense was nothing impressive against Auburn's offense. In fact, I think you could actually say it was pretty bad. And they were able to hold LSU in check. Now, eventually, they just ran out of gas, and they needed more help from the offense. They needed to stay off the field. Yep. But that made me a lot more optimistic going into the game this Saturday. Now, LSU was on the road. They did that in Starkganistan. But now, <laughs> I mean, Auburn's now the road team. And so, But like you said, defense travels. I mean, as loud as that place is, it's not going to be as loud. It's not going to be loud at all when Auburn's defense is on the field. So they're going to be able to communicate they're going to be able to play football, you know, physical, rough, get in Joe Burrow's face, or at least try to. That's uh, that's really what it's going to come down to. And, and I think they're going to be able to make some plays. Like you said, the biggest storyline for me, how does Bo Nix re- respond to the, the noise? How does he respond to the adversity? He did it fine in this neutral side, even though it's pretty much a home game favoring Auburn in, in Arlington. But the Bo Nix we saw at the Swamp was not good. I yeah. mean, uh, he was he was he was a bad quarterback that day. I think he would tell you that. But you know, it, you look at what they did against Arkansas. Fifty-one points is fantastic, but he still he needs to work on his accuracy. And I just don't think that's going to be something that's going to change in, in the span of just a few days. Yeah, we're mainly talking about that second quarter when we talk about Arkansas. I think uh, that was when he really had the the accuracy issues and. After that, he completed. I mean, it, it's happened com- with streaks though throughout throughout the season so far, mm-hmm. and and you can chalk that up to him being a freshman. I'm fine with it, but in order for him to beat LSU, we can't do that. I agree with you, and I think in that game there may have in the Arkansas game specifically. I think there may have been a little uh, complacency, just kind of like you know after you go up 17 to nothing in the first quarter, just kind of being like, okay, we can just come out and and walk through it and win this game, and, and that happens sometimes with freshmen. I mean, that happens sometimes with seniors. It's tough to have the mentality of, I'm okay destroying this team. Yeah. It's hard. And I think that's kind of, you know, we're going to talk about it in a second with basketball. But, like, I think that's the biggest thing with Austin Wiley is, like, Mm -hmm. he is afraid. uh, At times, it seems like he is hesitant to just dominate people. And that's what I love so much about Derrick Brown is watching him play football is he doesn't care if he absolutely just obliterates the dude in front of him. Now, you see a lot of guys come in. I think Byron Cowart's kind of, uh, you know, cut from this cloth. Physically gifted, beyond all belief, but is really uncomfortable when he's asked to just absolutely dominate someone. It's like it's like there's a an obstacle mentally that you have to get past, and it's like you know I've been working so hard for this. I have been giving and blessed with a wonderful set of skills, and you know I, I I've lost sleep over you know focusing on being able to win this matchup. Now I'm going to go execute, and uh, I, I think some guys struggle with that, and so. If it was that, I don't think Bo Nix is going to have an issue with this long term. Uh, yeah, but as far as you know, it is tough when you're up seventeen to nothing. It's tough to keep the the pedal all the way down. I mean, we saw it with with New England last night. You know, they're 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 winning seventeen to nothing, and then they mm-hmm. kind of stall a little bit, and they're on pace to win by a lot more than that. But you know, they they won thirty three to nothing against the Jets on Monday night, but. They probably should have won by more. They're often stalled in the second half. So I mean, that is something that you see for at, at every level. I completely agree with you about that. And just going back to the actual game, 
we saw Mississippi State's offensive line open some holes for, for the running backs and, and the quarterback in that game. And in the first quarter, the defense was playing really well. It took you know two big coverage busts that they showed in the broadcast. They showed guys you know looking around, pointing at each other before the play, just not on the same page. And Auburn really hasn't had a coverage bust since the Oregon game. The Oregon game, there were a couple coverage busts. Uh, we've seen guys just get absolutely beat. I mean, the Mississippi State game, a guy just got beat. And, and that's going to happen sometimes. And to be honest, that'll probably happen on Saturday. LSU has some great receivers. It would not surprise me if Auburn blitzes and is in straight man coverage across the board and LSU beat. scores a long touchdown. Like, that just happens when you're playing good teams sometimes. If I'm LSU in the passing game, mm-hmm. I'm going after K.J. Britt right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm not... I haven't done you know the deep dive on film on LSU yet to, to know how much they really use those running backs in the passing game, but if they can get KJ Britt on a slot wide receiver or something, they're going to take advantage. Joe well, Burrow is, and, and is Fl- too Florida, good. Florida's put that on tape. Yep. that it's like okay, you know, they're that that was part of their game plan, and 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 they did it twice. And I think that's something that if I'm a pass heavy offense, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that matchup happens. And just like it was for Mississippi State, these first two drives of the game for Auburn, I think, are huge. Offensively? Defensively. Defensively. Because if the defensive line can make some noise and force this LSU team into a punt or even a field goal on the first two drives, whether it's you know two punts or a field goal and a punt, something like that, or two field goals even, I think it starts to creep into the minds of the LSU offensive players, the fans for sure, like... This is the best defense we've played. What if we can't score touchdowns? Well, Mississippi State did that, and they still lost. Yes, yes. Do you think it's different? I think it's a little different because I think the belief when you're playing Mississippi State is that you know eventually they're going to break. Gonna be, yeah, you're just you're just sure. a, a far superior team, and L, uh, Mississippi State give them credit. They stopped LSU what three times inside the five yard line, so. Uh, they those guys on defense played their hearts out, right. and the offense moved the ball well against the LSU defense. That offensive line for Mississippi State was opening up holes, and hopefully the Auburn offensive line is healthy. We saw uh, Markwell Harrell got a little banged up there at the end of the Arkansas game. Hopefully they're all healthy. Uh, Bailey Sharp was supposed to practice. Gus said that today. He's, they're hoping he can practice with the team this week. That'll That's be great. big for them and big for him. So... I think I definitely think Auburn has a decent chance to go into to Death Valley and win. I'm not going to sit here and say I expect it, but I definitely think this is going to be a very competitive game. I, I think it honestly, I think it could look a lot like the LSU Florida game. Do but you, Auburn's defense, I think, is better than Florida's defense. I don't really care what the statistics say. If you've watched the two defenses. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know a guy that we haven't talked about in the past few shows that we really, really need to? Colonel Steve. One where I was going, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need more of the gloat in our lives. He used to just throw questions at us. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Ireland to play golf. 
without inviting you. Yep. And he's like, I'm not going to ask questions anymore. I guess once you play St. Andrews, you just don't have room for me in your life anymore. Yeah, you just forget, you know, which podcast you listen to every day. You just forget where you come from. I mean, I still love you, Colonel Steve. You think he still loves us? I hope so. We'll see. We'll see what he says about this. Also, shout out to the guy who uh, told us on Twitter that Cody Parkey did, in fact, show the uh, start the, the kicking streak. Yeah, which you said I was wrong. I was way off on that. Uh, you weren't that off. I mean, you said you remembered Carlson missing one, and you're not wrong. This guy said he got one blocked, so it doesn't count as a miss. Yeah, it was Tony Perry. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, he said it started with Cody Parkey. Daniel Carlson did not miss one. He had one blocked, which does not affect the streak. I think that should affect the streak, but that's not what we're arguing here. The streak is just for missed PAT. So, yeah, thank you, Tony, for that. I guess the idea would be that that's not on the kicker. Not a kicker error, but like it's still you. the ball like leaves your foot, and it doesn't go, go through the, the uprights. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of, uh, did you see? Text? Oh, oh, anyway, I'm okay, sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. So the, you know who we haven't talked about the past few weeks? And I talked about him all off season. Sean Travers. No monogamy. Oh yeah. And I mean, he has been incredible this season. He's been very good. And he is going to be an important part of stopping LSU with mm-hmm. all of these passes, with you know them stretching the field, making you defend every blade of grass. I think he is going to need uh, an absolutely huge. Huge game. I mean, the last time we really talked about him was when he drew those penalties late against Florida, right? Yeah, the back-to-back pass interference penalties. Right, which one was kind of, and the other one was like, okay, yeah, no, it was kind of out of place there. But I think, uh, I I mean, I I really do think he's become Auburn's best corner. I mean, I know Javaris Davis got his interception last week. And I think Javaris Davis has played a lot better lately than he did at the beginning of the season. I mean, he was a guy that we had some question marks about, uh, you know, a few weeks into the season. We were asking... Whether, um, crap, I forgot his name. Who is, uh, he's the backup corner who came in and played really well for a couple weeks in a row. Christian Tut? No, he's been great all season. Sherwood? No. Although Sherwood did make a pro football focuses all SEC team this week, which was interesting to me. Shout out to him. It's, uh, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't remember his name. The fourth, he's like the number. He's the number three cornerback on the depth chart. That's not Tut. Yeah, because Tut is like the number one. He's a nickel. Guy. Yeah, the nickel guy. This is I don't know. He was on. Uh, he made like team of the week in the SEC a couple times. This why did gonna, you? Why did you go towards his direction if you can't think of his name? Because we were asking like if he should take over that number two corner spot for Javaris Davis because he was playing so well and Javaris Davis I don't want to say struggled but maybe like you know wasn't as good and I think Javaris Davis stepped up to the plate and I think he's been playing much better lately that was a great catch on the interception also such a good catch I mean and his speed I mean he he's able to cover just so much ground but. I'm blanking. I don't even know who you're talking about, man. Once I say his name, it's this is going to really bother me. Oh, uh, Roger McCreary? Yes. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of, Roger McCreary. Yeah, he was awesome for a couple weeks there. And then and we were, I mean, I know definitely the thought was going through my head whether he should be getting more minutes than, uh, than Javaris Davis. And we didn't talk about that, though, right? Because I don't think I ever would have bid on that. I feel like we discussed the possibility. You probably said Javaris Davis should continue to get more minutes or more snaps or whatever it is. 
But we definitely, I mean, we definitely talked about him. We talked about how well he'd been playing, how well he was playing. I can't wait to see what Kevin Steele does from a personnel standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think KJ Britt helps you a whole lot this weekend. I think he's great at diagnosing the play and then, you know, knowing what he's supposed to do. But I think he's physically limited in some capacity as far as his athleticism. I would love a lot of dime. And I think ideally Auburn forces a lot of third and longs where you, you get to play a lot of diamond passing downs. Did you know that Auburn's defense is really not good at third and long? Uh, that doesn't fully surprise me because I don't think the pass defense is that great. Like, it's just like the defense has been so great all year. They force a bunch of third and longs and opponents actually convert a, a decent number of them, like an above average number of them. Based on how far it is? Yeah. Hmm. Like compared to you know, what are you basing that off of? Uh, it was someone posted the the statistic of it. I feel like like it was, Auburn's clip versus like the average clip yeah. or something. Interesting. Well, still not faulting them for going third and long. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean it's th- like, their weakness is the passing game though, and that yeah. and that's the thing. Was like Joe Burrow, if they want to, they can go three straight downs throwing the football, and it's just like I'm not confident that Auburn's going to be able to significantly cover guys three plays in a row. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in Auburn in the short passing game because we've talked about it. Remember, Auburn typically this season especially has tackled incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very confident in them in that. And, and I but, don't but, think but, Burrow is going to have enough time to really take a ton of deep shots. I think that's the story. You know, can the pass rush get to him? Yeah, so sure. it, it's right in that intermediate range, that you know maybe 8 yards to 15 yards where it could still be a three-step drop maybe an in-route, that's where this Auburn defense, this this Auburn secondary really needs to step up. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned and put an emphasis on the defensive backs tackling consistently mm-hmm. because this LSU offense and this Alabama offense you know, that's coming up, there's been comparisons because they're passing the football a lot, but Joe Burrow's throwing it down the field more just yeah. as far as the eye test goes, and that, I think, plays into LSU's advantage. Now, you look at what Tua's done, because Tua will be back by the time the Iron Bowl happens, throwing it three yards downfield and guys missing tackles. I think Auburn's going to have a chance there. I think that plays into Auburn's favor because they're going to be able to tackle better than, than all these teams that Alabama's played so far. Well, and I mean the Alabama defense just had a lot of trouble stopping Tennessee. I know what the final score was, but if you watch that game, at really until Alabama had the 100-yard fumble return for a touchdown yeah that game was very losable for Alabama because they could not stop Tennessee right right Tennessee ran the ball all over them too that 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 is very atypical of an Alabama defense all right let's spend the last two or three minutes here talking about Auburn basketball the season is just uh just a few days away people are excited about it coming in number 24 on the AP poll I get why they're lower than some fans would want I don't think it matters and here's the thing their non-conference schedule is going to be a walk in the park. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they're going to go. I think they're going into SEC play with like one or two losses. So yeah. uh, they're going to have a chance to climb the ladder just because people in front of them are going to lose. They're going to be able to be consistent. Then they'll have, you know, a, a big game early in SEC play that's going to kind of put them on the map, legitimize them, and I think it gives these young guys a chance to grow up a little bit. Uh, you know, I think there's a solid chance they start five freshmen or five so- five seniors. Third try there. Long day. I think there's a chance that they start four or five seniors, and then they're going to platoon some guys in, some some younger guys, and let them grow up over the course of the non-conference, and then I think SEC play is going to roll around, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. 
I totally agree with you. One of the interesting things to me is going to be, you know, for Bruce Pearl, while he's been at Auburn, he's always had one or two guys in the backcourt that he's really leaned on to get big minutes. You know, we saw it last season and, and two seasons ago with Jared Harper and Bryce Brown and three seasons ago, I guess, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. Those guys really, you know, took the lion's share of the minutes in the backcourt. And this season, we don't really know if that's going to be the case. Right, it certainly looks like it's going to be McCormick starting at the point guard, and I'm not good at names today. Samir Dowdy. Samir Dowdy yeah. at, at shooting guard. I think those and, are your two guys for sure. Yes, but those guys have never played 40 minutes a game before. No, nah, I guess not for 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game. Whatever you know, Harper and Brown were playing, and so it'll be interesting to me if they go with a more balanced backcourt. Javon's workload increased so much late last year. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not as worried about him as I am Samir, and you know, I'm not worried. Uh, just to clarify, I'm not worried about them handling the workload. Okay. I'm interested to see the way Bruce Pearl handles it, and if he if he's willing, not willing, if he's gonna give a more balanced rotation between those two seniors and maybe two of the freshmen, like Turbo and. Some, just some of these other guys. And, and you know Dowdy can shift down and play the four or the three. He did it a lot last season. And so it, I, I'm very interested to see what this rotation is going to look like with such a discrepancy in experience. I know yesterday we said that we were going to have former LSU quarterback Josh Booty on. That's going to happen tomorrow. Had some things pop up today. We had to reschedule. So looking forward to that. And uh, Michael, you can follow Michael on Twitter at CouchPapTato. Catch him every I guess every uh, every Saturday after yeah. the game, after the Auburn game, four after the game on ESPN 106.7, broadcasted live from Skybar. You can follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby and catch me every morning on News Talk WANI. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.